podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, living the stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback. And as always, I am joined by my lovely, 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 lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, man? I uh, just want to take a moment, JJ, if I could, in our 101st episode of Living the Stream to have a moment of silence uh, for one Geno Smith. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate the respect there. But yes, uh, obviously, Geno is finished as a fantasy entity and we're going to move on. Look, look, it's not all bad. It's not as if like a, you know, middle round quarterback is taking over for Geno Smith. It's, it's another, it's another late round guy. That's going to be a streamer that we love. We love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I know I'm, I'm all about Geno, but I would take almost any quarterback in, in that system with those receivers and, um, you know, so I'm I'm okay with it, but seriously, I'm a little, a little devastated. I have to say, I've I've been on I've been on Team Fitz the whole time. So I know, okay. I know you've been quiet, and I appreciate you being quiet about that since <laughs> since uh, since I've been so vocal about Gino. Since you've been such a such a Gino truther. I could I could almost I can almost feel your eyes roll when I, when I'm like Gino Gino Gino, and you're like, well, just wait for Fitz to sign. He's going to be the greatest streamer of all time again. You know. Yeah. I mean, we also, so we had that news and we had Josh Gordon being reinstated, which it's, so do you remember, remember two years ago, I was like super anti Gordon and like yeah. holding him and stuff mm-hmm. and like, like super vote, like, you know, I, I took a lot of shit for it, like when it was going on and I'm noticing now that I'm like, I'm like way more into Josh Gordon than a lot of people are. And I'm surprised by it. Well, you wrote that piece for number five. I thought, I thought it spelled out your case pretty clearly. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, I see him as a wide receiver three with upside. Like, I'm fine. I've I've taken him. I, I basically where I've seen him uh, in MFL tens of mine, where I'm, I've been taking him, is at like the end of the eighth into the early ninth. And I'm to me, it's like if he's going to be my wide receiver four, I'm going to do that all day long. I don't think people understand how incredibly insane that his second season was in the NFL. Like, right. even if you get a fraction of that, like. He was a t- he was a usable wide receiver quite literally every freaking week that he was stepped on the field with with horrendous quarterback play. Right, right. Like it's it's something like I don't like like you look at you know, you know I love Antonio Brown. I think everyone loves Antonio Brown. They know that he's so he, he's unbelievable. But the thing that kind of people are kind of just brushing off is the fact that when Ben Roethlisberger went down last year, mm-hmm. Antonio Brown was nowhere near the goat. No, it, I mean it was uh, the the Martavis Bryant show, right? And yeah, yeah, the, the best the, the best wide receiver on the Steelers. I mean, I'm just saying. No, but but like you know, obviously a lot of what Antonio Brown can do has a lot to do with with him him and Ben's rapport and, and right. so on and so forth. But like like what Josh Gordon did in 2013 can't be understated. It cannot. I it, it actually I wrote an article on Numberfire after that season saying that he was better 
at that point in the first two years of his of his career than Calvin Johnson because that's what he was. He was on that trajectory for sure. Right, right, and I am more than willing. Like once you get into the eighth, ninth round, where like things just are are a crapshoot for the most part to mm-hmm. begin with, I am more than willing to take a chance on Josh Gordon. Was he suspended for for two games to start the 2013 season? Yeah, he missed the first two. Okay. And then there was that like Minnesota game, I think it was. Yeah. He... Yeah. Yeah. Where he was just force fed and he went he went ballistic. But yeah, I remember getting him around the same plot, you know, eighth, ninth in that in that time and uh yeah. thinking, like, why not? Why like why why would I not take this guy right here looking at the other options? And I and I feel similarly today. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. Um so before we get going today, Denny, I have a story to tell you. Yes, yes, let's hear it. Okay. I tweeted about it a little bit, um, but since you told a dad story last week, I figured I'd tell a dad story this week. So my parents were in town this past weekend in Charlotte. Uh, they live in Raleigh, so it's not too far of a drive. Um, and so they, they came to town and we decided, so there's this area in Charlotte called Noda, which is a, it's North Davidson. It's after the, one of the streets. And it's, it's an area that's, uh, it's it's if you, if there's a hipster area in Charlotte, it's Noda, right? And they've got they got a ton of breweries, you know, and it's just like a, it's like a cool spot. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to go down to Noda and kind of brewery hop. And me me Amanda and I show them some breweries and stuff. And so we went to these breweries, and like we got we just got beer. We just tasted beer the whole time. Like mm-hmm. we we just got flights instead of just just sitting there with our with our pints. And so, so we're, we're getting these flights and we're trying different beers. I learned that my dad does not, I, I tweeted this. He does uh-huh. not taste beer. I mean, he, so these, you know, you know, a flight, like a random flight of beer, like you get those little, like those, mm-hmm. those uh, big, like large shot glasses essentially. Yeah. And, you know, usually, you know, you can take maybe like 10 to 15 sips of that beer. And like, then you're done with the, with the glass for my dad. It's like two. Like wow. he just like like half of it and then half of it and he's like he'll take like half of it and he's like oh I don't like that one and it's like well then why the hell did you drink that much so so anyway so you know we we drink a little bit and we uh, we end up going to uh, a restaurant that's this it's called Cabo Fish Taco anyone who lives in Charlotte or has been there they know that it's delicious and it's like a taco place it's you know it's a it's a it's a new age like Mexican cuisine kind of stuff and we go there and we're all like ordering food. Well, first we're ordering drinks and Amanda and my, my wife and I got a hell or high watermelon beer, which is a fantastic beer. Really? It sounds hell like, high, a, sounds like a nightmare. Hell or, high, hell or high watermelon is the greatest summer beer that you will ever have. That and that and Oberon bells. Oberon's really good. Um, anyway, so we, we get our beers and my dad's sitting there, you know, we had, he wasn't S faced, but he certainly, he certainly, Certainly, I mean, we had been drinking all day long at these breweries and stuff. But it's not like we were like drinking to get drunk. It was just tasting a lot of beers and mm-hmm. whatnot. And so my dad, you know, he's he's for every time he drinks. I mean, it's not like he's a big drinker anymore. But back in the day, he definitely was. Mm-hmm. And he he always uh, he always tries to get shots of Jaeger. He's all about Jaeger. Like when he's with his buddies, mm. they're all doing shots oh. of Jaeger. Ugh. It's and it's 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 a bizarre thing, but it's just. You know, people who like don't don't drink liquor and like they need a shot and they like have their go to and they just go to that go to because they don't know it. That's that's my dad with Jaeger. He just give me a shot of Jaeger. Yeah, my my dad's my dad is Grand Marnier. But go ahead. 
Yeah, there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So everyone has like you know they they especially when you're when you get older you you don't you're not experimenting with liquor anymore. Yeah. And so my dad looks at the waitress after we had put in like an appetizer or something, and he's like, "Hey, do you we want we want two shots of Jaeger because my wife wasn't gonna do a shot and my mom sure as hell was not." And so the the waitress is like, "Okay, I'm gonna go go get those shots." She comes back, looks at the table, looks at my dad, and she goes, "We're out of Jaeger." And instantly, without flinching, my dad looks at her and he goes, all right, then I'll do the shrimp tacos. <laughs> what? Like, I'm looking at him I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Wait, how is this? Like, what is, what is the thought process that's going on here? This is the alternative. The alternative to Jaeger is, is shrimp tacos. So did it get hammered on shrimp tacos? Evidently. Evidently. It was like, it went from, hey, I'm not all that hungry. I'm going to order, I'm going to order Jaeger shots to not even like contemplating what was next if they didn't have Jaeger shots. Oh my God. Are you? It just become, it just became shrimp tacos and he ate the shrimp tacos i mean it sounds delicious to be honest but seriously that is that is a weird that's a very uh abrupt switch i would say it was abrupt and that's that's kind of my dad in a nutshell also jaeger jaeger is dangerous i feel like like jaeger for me it's like um i would i would say almost instant vomit um if i if i've been drinking beer like and i and then i'm like oh yeah why not yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty over. gross. It's over. It's pretty, in fact, I'm not about that. My my sister in law, when she turned thirty, she her her birthday is on St. Patrick's Day. Okay, so it's it's just a it's it's a total S show the whole time. Right. So we were downtown. We were in D.C. and everybody's drinking. And I was really like like Melissa and I were really trying to to help her not get super thick you know, on her birthday. I mean, you know, we're just trying to make sure like she's, she's not has, it doesn't have to be carried out, you know, at the right, end. Right. And so everything's going fine. You know, she, she had, she's definitely drunk and that's, that's cool. That's great. It's her birthday. It's St. Patrick's day. Everybody's drinking. Everything's going fine and smooth until our friend shows up. And what does she do? She buys Jaeger shots for everybody. Of and the birthday girl takes one Jaeger shot and bam, it's over. Party's over. No, no. She's, it, you know, it's it's just, a, I'll spare you the details, but let's just say the party ended there. Let's so, just say that what she did that, that night after she took the shot of Jaeger, Denny did in his living room week three of last season. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, but I credit your dad for being able to just like do Jaeger shots. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No, it was just, it was such a bizarre, such a bizarre, like, I needed to tell the story because I said it on Twitter. Like I sent the tweet out, but I don't think that like it, like it, it, it made no sense to anyone on Twitter. I hope that they like understood the humor behind it, that it was just so ridiculous that it didn't make any sense. That's, but it was, that's good. It was a good time. Yeah. That's good. Uh, by the way, I have to tell people real quick, JJ's hair is excellent today. He got it cut and it is, is looking great. As you can see in his Periscope in his daily Periscope, uh, video chats. Uh, he's, he's, it's, it's looking good, man. I, I like it. I appreciate it. But you also just got a haircut and yours actually looks good. I know, man. Yours does too. But yeah, I mean, I, so what if I paid 14 times what you paid? It doesn't matter. It, yours looks good. Right. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Before we get into today's topic, uh, why don't you start, why don't you tell everyone about our sponsor? Yeah. Our, our sponsor is uh, apexfantasyleagues.com. Uh, we talked about them a little bit last week. And uh, talked about you know the reason we like playing on, on Apex Leagues and in, in Apex Leagues uh, for various reasons, including 
what we talked about uh, the two games per week, basically, where you play an opponent. Uh, you know, if JJ and I face each other, um, obviously I win. And then um, no, JJ <laughs> always wins. And then um, and then, but you also get a uh, a win if you finish in the top half of the league in total points for that week. Uh, and I just had a quick, uh, just personal story um, on on that system. Uh, the first time I was in an Apex League, um, first six weeks of the season, I my team was on fire, scoring a ton of points every week. Also, I was losing every week. Okay, I was I was just running into buzzsaw after buzzsaw and uh, losing by two points here and five points there. But I was always in the top half of uh, of scores, so um, that that kept me afloat. You know, in, in in a traditional fantasy league, I think pretty much I would have been sunk because just because of pure uh, bad luck. But in this Apex League. Uh, I was able to keep my team in, you know, kind of in the middle of the pack because I was getting that that extra that extra game win uh, per week. And then by the end of the season, I got into the, the postseason um, despite that horrible start. So it really does. I, I really believe that it accentuates skill uh, over luck. And that's what we're looking for. Yeah, definitely check them out. ApexFantasyLeagues.com. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so today we are going to uh, talk about something that we, I mean, there, there were requests that came in to talk about this many, many times. I feel like we do a podcast on it each year, but it's good to just kind of uh, revisit some of the strategies and such. But it's it's auction drafts. Uh, it's, it's something that is becoming more and more popular, something that my home league has now done for about six years. Um, I feel like we were auction draft hipsters almost. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, generally speaking, it's not as though it's a different game. I mean, you're still you're still drafting the same players. You're still playing by the same rules. You can still even use ADP data mm-hmm. uh, to your advantage to the you know to 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 research and so on and so forth. Uh, but there are differences. So I think the you know the, the big things to know the differences between auction and snake. Aside from hey, I'm buying players rather than just drafting them when my name is uh, up on the clock. Um, the the first is that you know. Uh, is that in a, in a snake draft, everything is linear. And, and what I mean by that is every pick that is made is the same difference between the pick that was made before that. Mm-hmm. So it's one to two to three to four. Whereas with a, an auction draft, realistically, a guy like Antonio Brown out of a $200 budget might go for $80 and the next guy, Julio Jones, might go for 73 and then OBJ might go for 72 So there's a bigger gap between... Antonio Brown to Julio and OBJ than there traditionally would be in a standard uh, snake draft. So that's definitely something to remember and keep in mind because I think that kind of is the foundation of of how you should think about auction drafts really because it, it shows you right then and there that tiering your players uh, is even more vital than it is in snake drafts in my opinion mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, and this goes without saying, but you can... Uh, you can target target the guys you want, not the guys you just kind of end up with sometimes. Uh, I think that that's also an advantage for the uh, very prepared drafter. Um, uh, you can, you know, we all end up, you know, for me, sometimes it happens in like the fourth or fifth round where you're, you're looking at a group of players that, you know, you're not all that excited about and you take the one that you, you know, that, that you one out of that group, but you're, but you're not thrilled. And that's not something that you run into with auction leagues. So I actually think 
they're much better than traditional redraft. Yeah, and I think that, like, t- to your point, you, you, you mentioned the grouping together. Uh, and, and if you think about a snake draft, like, if you're in the early fourth round, let's say, or if you're in the, uh, you know, it, it, actually, let's just, yeah, if you're in the early fourth round and there's a group of wide receivers that, that you like, there's, like, five of them. Uh, maybe it's, like, Moncrief, Michael Floyd, I don't know, a couple other guys. And you, you get into that early fourth round and you're forced to, to choose one of those players. Whereas someone at in the eighth or ninth spot in the fourth round is still going to be able to get one of those players. So you're now essentially the, the guy who picked eighth or ninth is just lucky mm-hmm. that those players are falling to them based on draft position. And that's where tiering is, is even more important in auction leagues. That's why I say that because in, in a, in a snake draft, you're forced to pick these guys, but in an auction league, if you tier them, then you kind of know, or you you know where the drops in dollars should go because the drops aren't as linear. Absolutely. So in your in your uh, uh, home league, what what are what are some of the um, I don't know the strategies that strategies that you use early on? Because uh, I I have a couple, but I, I wanted to hear yours. Yeah. So I think to to that tiering point, this is one thing that I kind of I introduced a couple years ago on in a Roto World article. Um, it's this U theory. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember me talking I, about I this do. before. Wow, that's old school. <laughs> yeah. So, so like the U theory is is some is it, think of think of the letter U and the way that it's shaped, right? Basically, what this says is you take a tier. All right, maybe the tier in this in for this example is Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, David Johnson, and Ezekiel Elliott. Let's say that you have them all tiered in in the same group, and obviously by tier, what we mean is guys that are projected to do similar things uh, and, and are fairly interchangeable in rank, right? You might, you might favor David Johnson slightly over Todd Gurley, but you're not going to lose sleep if you get Todd Gurley instead of David Johnson. That's, that's right. really what tiering is at the end of the day. And then once you get to another player that doesn't belong in that tier, that's when you start a new tier. So what the U theory talk, uh, says is, and this is based on things that I've studied through auction drafts, is that when the first player in that tier is up for nomination, he goes at a market value or market price of, let's just say N. Mm-hmm. All right, let's just call it N. But then, so if there's four guys in the tier, the next two guys that go, go for N minus something. Mm-hmm. Because the, 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 the logic, I'll, I'll explain the logic. And then the last person that goes in that tier goes for N. So the reason I'm saying U is because like the shape of a U you're starting up top, you're going down to kind of an apex, and then you reach the top again, like the letter U. So what this, what the, the logic behind this and the psychology behind this is that if there's a, a group of players, if there's four guys, five guys, when the first guy in that tier goes, there's an excitement factor, and people are willing to spend their money on that guy because and, and, and they're essentially setting a market price for that tier, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're they're willing to spend because there is more money to go around and so on. Uh, but once you get to the the middle guys, there's in the back of their mind and in the back of someone's mind, they say, "Oh, well, there's still a couple more guys left in this tier, so I don't necessarily need to reach or spend more money for this player." And then once you get to the last guy in the tier, you have an oh shit moment mm-hmm. where you need to ensure that you're getting someone in that tier. Uh, so I would almost guarantee that when Antonio Brown and, and Julio Jones are off the board and OBJ gets nominated, it wouldn't surprise me that if, if in more drafts than not, 
despite Julio being higher than OBJ and ADP, if OBJ has just as much of a, of a value from a cost perspective as Julio Jones does just because people panic. And that's really, in essence, what the U theory is about. Right. So so would you uh, would you want to throw, if, you, if you're talking about the big three wide receivers this year, uh, would you want to throw OBJ out there before Brown and Julio? Yeah, you could totally do that. Uh, you know, I think that you have to look at it as as who do you value. That's a good point. If you're if you're able to nominate, then you want to nominate uh, the the guy more than likely that you don't want mm-hmm. out of that out of that tier. And the thing is too with tiering guys is that it's not just a tier for you, but it's a tier for what you, your perceived league mate, what your league, league mates uh, perception is, right? Mm-hmm. So like if you know that the majority of people have those three guys in, in a tier, you might not, but play use that to your advantage and, and, and nominate a guy like OBJ first instead of Antonio Brown, do Antonio Brown second. You know, I think, you know, obviously I think many people would just say Antonio Brown's in his own tier in a way, but mm-hmm. even still, uh, if we assume that they're all completely equal, uh, nominate Antonio Brown second and see if, if his, his dollar value goes down a bit and then do Julio Jones third. I, I would say that it's a much more effective theory and practice when you're not dealing with such elite names and elite players mm-hmm. because people are going to spend more and pay more attention to those players to begin with and they're going to want their guy because usually – when you when you talk to someone about like their auction draft strategy, you say, "Hey, you know, what do you what are you going into the draft thinking?" And they're all like, "Oh, I'm getting Antonio Brown." Like that's that that's their strategy. It's not it's not like, "Oh, I'm going to spend a little this much on Dante Moncrief, maybe this much on Duke Johnson." It's always, "I'm going to get Antonio Brown in this draft," or "I'm going to get Adrian Peterson in this draft." So that's that's why it's a little bit different with some of those more elite players. But generally speaking, in a draft, you can you can see where tiers are. And you can use ADP data to see where if there's a cluster of like running backs going in the fifth or sixth round or something, mm-hmm. and then there's a big drop off, uh, you know, because people are drafting wide receivers or quarterbacks or tight ends, and then another running back group starts. That's a tier. That's a, that's a, that's a new tier, and then you can use that to your advantage. Right. I I think it gets more interesting as you go down the board. Uh, I might go without saying, but I'm looking at uh, a cluster of wide receivers that um, in snake drafts are going almost back to back to back to back. It's uh, uh, Evans, uh, Mike Evans, Alshon Jeffrey, Keenan Allen, and Amari Cooper. Um, I, I think I think you as well are highest on Keenan Allen uh, of that group. So, um, you know, so I, I would be, you know, I would, I would be focusing on him in that, in that cluster of receivers as, as they're nominated. I, in fact, I would probably want to throw out Mike Evans and Amari Cooper who, I, I would not take, you know, I would not want over Keenan Allen uh, uh, j- just just to see if people will maybe overspend on that before Allen is on the board. Yeah, I think there's just a massive game theory and psychology driven way of thinking with 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 that. And I think you're completely right. I mean, the second round is actually a really good example with all those wide receivers that are that are flying off the board with Keenan Allen, Alshon, Evans, Cooper. You could even at this point probably throw in Brandon Cooks and Brandon Marshall in that. And, and, and with that, you have a giant tier and those middle guys, when, when things get a little, or a little bit more boring because you, you know, you're in the middle of the tier, there's still other guys left. You're not going to reach. That's where you can really get that value. So what do we do with quarterbacks in an auction draft? Yeah. I think, you know, the answer to that, Denny, how, <laughs> how do you, how do you approach the quarterback position? I really enjoy, and you know, you have to know your league mates. 
Um, and, right. and, and, but I really enjoy throwing out like the top end guys early on. Uh, uh, and, and just, you know, and you, you see someone's, someone's budget just take a hit right away. It's, it's satisfying in that, you know, the person is, was dead set on getting that, that quarterback or, or a top quarterback. Um, and, and that, you know, now you, you, at least you feel, or maybe they feel like you might have an edge on, on the, you know, on the positions that matter more, you know, running back and wide receiver. So, uh, I, the other day I did a mock draft. I threw out my first two, um, uh, bids or whatever you call it. I I threw out nominations were, um, uh, Aaron Rodgers, um, Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton and, um, and people just went up and up and up and up and up. Um, and, and, you know, really went all in on those guys. Yeah. I mean, your goal is to get other people to spend money. Uh, I'm, I'm very much a person who nominates players that I don't want, um, just to get other people to, to spend. I mean, look, it's like any other market. If the, if other people don't have money, then you're able to be more successful, right? If you're, if you have mm-hmm. a business and your competitors are out of cash and you have cash, then you're in good shape. So think of it. You got, you, you have to think of it that way. So with, the other thing, you know, with the quarterback and tight end position, I think the number one question that people have and have always asked is, you know, how do you spend? And really the way that we spend is the same way that we would draft them in a snake draft. And that's uh, using a, uh, spending a dollar. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. Yeah. Uh, last year, uh, Carson Palmer was available for one or $2 in most auction drafts. Right. And, you know, I'm fine. I'm totally fine with maybe spending two or three if it's a guy that you really, really want. Uh, but, I, you know, don't don't go overboard. It's not it's not like this is such a dramatic difference between snake drafts that you can spend 20 to 25 dollars on these quarterbacks and, uh, you know, value them similarly. I mean, like when you get to like the fifth round of drafts, that's usually if, if you have a two hundred dollar budget, the fifth round ish, those kind of players mm-hmm. are generally 20 ish dollar players. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're, if we said we would value a quarterback, I, you know, I'm more of a sixth round, maybe Denny's a late fifth round guy. We're not spending $20 on, on elite quarterbacks. That's, that's essentially what it comes down to in any, in any normal $200 auction. So what does that tell you? Well, you're not going to own a quarterback if you're following what, what we're, we're preaching on this podcast. So uh, what you're doing is then you're just spending a dollar and uh, you know, a lot of times too, like this, this actually is another discussion. Um, a lot of people, and I, I, a lot of people liked like auction drafts because you're able, and I agree with them, is because you're able to obtain more than one or two studs on your team mm-hmm. and build your lineup around that. It's it's the stars and scrubs approach that wins leagues. I mean, it is, it is so infin- infinitely better than any other strategy in auction drafts. I can't even I can't even explain, guys. If you're putting a lot of eggs into three or four guys' baskets. That's fine. Uh, that's that's it's it's a smart thing to do. And if you question that and question why, you can go look at the bust rate article that I republished this year that shows you that there's not a whole lot of difference between what goes on in the sixth round of drafts compared to what goes on in the ninth round of drafts. But there's equity to be gained. So think of it this way: like you've done MFL tens, Denny, and, and a lot of people that listen to this are uh, have or they've done drafts. And once you get to the seventh round of drafts, um, you you can f- notice a difference in who you're drafting. You can notice that you don't necessarily love what's there, right? Mm-hmm. You, you you say to yourself, 
why would I draft this guy if I can just get him in the ninth round? Right. Yeah. And that is the that is the beauty of auction drafts is that you're not forced to pick. You don't have to pick those guys. The middle rounds of fantasy drafts are generally just a nightmare, right? Like like they it it, it there's it's just it's a giant nightmare. I can't mm-hmm. even find words because it's just it's it's not a worthwhile spot to pick guys that you should feel confident in. And it's just a better idea to spend spend fewer dollars and get guys that are equivalent to ninth, tenth, and eleventh round picks. Yeah, I actually once wrote fan fiction for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies, in which your a person was trapped in the middle of a fantasy football draft for eternity. It was very, it was very scary, actually. That's frightening. Yeah, that's very frightening. Um, if we're, uh, did you have anything else on quarterbacks? No, I think that's that's it for quarterbacks. I was, I, I've did that mock draft, that mock auction draft uh, yesterday. And the thing I noticed above all was the extreme value of, of tight ends uh, because I think the, the position like we've talked about a few times this off season is so deep uh, mm-hmm. is so deep this year. So many uh, potent, you know, guys who could potentially rack up a bunch of targets and bad offenses or even good offenses. If you're talking about Dwayne Allen, we're going for, two dollars five dollars seven dollars uh kobe fleener went for way less than ladarius green for instance i I don't have it written down but anyway it's just i think the the tight end position was so very exploitable uh in the in that mock yeah i think that's a good a good point to make too because because it's exploitable like that that means that gronk becomes lesser of a value Mm -hmm. if he's going for normal market price and you can get these guys so cheap that just that just creates a larger disparity between him to the rest rest of the position in terms of cost, actual mm-hmm. cost too. It's really mm-hmm. easy to understand cost with auctions because it's a dollar value. Um, and if that's the case, then Gronk becomes a lot less valuable just because of the cost of acquiring him. Yeah, I, I think uh, I was able to get Fleener and Dwayne Allen, uh, and it's funny that they're still grouped together. I guess it's just yeah, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's something in my head, but. Uh, you know, I, you know, we like both of them. I, I was able to get them for a combined, I believe, thirteen dollars um, out of a two hundred dollar budget. So it right. just, it was, it just seemed like silly value at that point. Right, right. And I think the other thing to remember too, uh, you know, it, I brought up Gronk. I think that there are certain players um, in every at every position that people are so in love with overly in love, like you're going to find truthers at these, at, for these players at these positions. And if you can find more than one person in your league, that's a truther mm-hmm. that drives their price up. Here's an example. I wasn't really that big of a truther for Amir Abdullah last year, but I apparently was when I had drank a lot of Bud Lights <laughs> during the day. I remember. And so, and so in my home league, yeah. I just, uh, my, my, my drunken tunnel vision was, Hey, you're going to get Amir Abdullah in this auction draft. So, but there was someone else in my league who also had that notion. Amir Abdullah went for more money than I can even disclose on this podcast. I can't, I can't even talk about it. It's so embarrassing. And so like that, that's, that's the, the idea here is, is you have to be as patient and as understanding of, of, your variance and the projections that you're not always right. I mean, it's my home league and in my home league, I like to just degaff a lot just because it's, it's way more fun to just not, you know, I'll, I'll be more serious in like the apex league that we do and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like that's, I'll, 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 
prove my worth through that and not my home league, even though I do well in my home league. You no, you tilt so hard over your home league. Stop. I, I tilt so hard <laughs> over my home league. But it's also because I degaff my home league. I degaff it hard. I don't believe um, you. I don't believe you. No, I look, you should see my drafts at the end. I I'll send you this year's draft when we're done. It's always right. like 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 I I zero RB that league almost every year mm-hmm. just because like it's yeah. To me, it, I mean, zero RB. Sure, it's you can you can. It's a strategy that's that's uh, usable, uh-huh. uh, but it's a lot easier to do so in like a home league where people aren't as savvy as you would find in a in an expert league. Yeah, look, I, in my home league that I used to play in with my brothers in law and everything before it disbanded, rest in peace. I I was yeah, zero RB was the way to go. But also, I was I would tilt off of the you know planet uh, every week because. I wanted to beat these guys so bad. No money, by the way, no money. Just wanted to beat them. And so, no, I, so anyone who says they don't, they don't uh, care about their home league. I No. Oh, look, look, I care a tremendous amount about my home league. What I mean by the degaffing part is just the draft itself. Like, like I care about winning the home league and I am consistently a playoff team and all that. Uh, But when it comes to the draft itself, like I will not be afraid to get a guy that I'm just like that, that I'm not, not even in love with, but that I could see having an insane ceiling. Like everyone kind of thought with Amir Abdullah last year, like I'm, I'm totally fine with just like going in and just being like, I'm getting him no matter the price. You know what I mean? Right. I was the same. I was the same way with Allen Robinson last year in that league. That that worked. Well that, yeah, that, that, that kind of canceled out Amir Abdullah. Right. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, I think overall, just remember that you theory strategy, Remember that everything does translate from snake to auction. It really, really does. I mean, you can use the same concept and ideas. I, I don't know if there's a, this would be a really cool idea, but I don't know if there's like a chart that highlights certain sec. Like if you had a draft board or like an ADP board, um, but on that board, see if you can visualize this with me. As you move through the draft, it shows like dollar values that you should be spending yeah. on a, uh, in an auction draft. Like it'd be cool to just see, because I think yeah. that you would be shocked by the drop off from like the first to the fourth and into the fifth round in dollar value when the difference in round itself is from the first to the fourth is three and the difference from the fourth to the seventh is three, but the difference in cost from the first to the fourth is dramatic. Enormous. Yeah. Enormous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, By the way, uh, one of the most fun things to me is to nominate a defense early on, but like, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a great, like last year's bestie. So you would take the, um, who was la- who the Broncos? Yeah. Okay. So you take the Broncos or the Panthers, whatever. And, and you throw them out there and you just, you, you watch it just creep up and you're, and you're thinking someone, someone out there thinks that they are getting, you know, that they're getting like a huge deal here. Like that, right. like that they're getting ahead. Like, Ooh, I'm going to secure, I'm going to lock down this elite defense and then right. move on to some other, you know, it, it's, it's hilarious. Also, I guess with all the, uh, Steven Gostowski, uh, stuff out there, you Propaganda. know, Hey, you know, throw him out there. He'll, he'll go for as much as Brady at this point. Yeah. And if, and if he doesn't go for $2, then you just got an elite kicker or defense. That's not, and that's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. All right, Denny, let's, uh, let's hit up some Twitter questions. We don't have a ton. We have, there are a lot of serious questions. So we got to try to have as oh, much fun. Yeah, as we can. So much serious. Yeah. Yeah. This first one's from at SMGDH. I have a serious fantasy cue for once. Why did it take so long? So someone to for someone, mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's for someone 
to verbalize zero RB? Was robust RB just taken as gospel? So, you know, like, I think that what people don't understand and what, what, what has frustrated me at times, if I'm just being honest, about like late round QB is that it's not so much about just like verbalizing something. Because like what Sean did with zero RB is much greater than saying, this is how I've drafted over the last 10 years. Right. You know, it's like he put so much thought and, and smart context around what zero RB is about and why it can work as opposed to saying, hey, I've been doing this for a really long time and this is this is how I've done it. Just as everyone was, dra- I mean, a ton of people were drafting their quarterbacks late every year. But I was the first person to just like put it into a, a very long form context, and that that I think is is something, and that's why you know if you listen to Matt Harmon's uh, Boy Young Boy podcast, <laughs> and <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, it's a backyard banter. If you listen to his BYB podcast and you listen to people talk about how they made it in the industry and and so on and so forth, the number one thing, and I talked about it when I was on the show, is is differentiation, and that's really how you differentiate is you take these simple ideas that are generally accepted, but the, the, the consumer doesn't understand that they're, that they're doing these things or that they're generally accepting these things. And then there's going to be a group of people that never even thought about it. And you put that out there and you think about it in a very intelligent way. And that's what happens. That, that's what, that, what happened with Sean. And that's why Sean's zero RB has, has taken off the way that it has. Uh, yeah. I mean, anyone who would, you know, throw shade as the kids say, I feel silly even saying that wearing my dad pants <laughs> my new balance shoes but um at, at you or sean for uh you know would say well jj didn't invent late round quarterback well no one said you did and, and including you did not say you did so um that's silly to begin with but you um spelled it out in a way that hadn't been done before so I just get it off. I'm, I'm going off the rails a little bit, but to, to young writers out there, to new writers, I would say uh, challenge, uh, st- a, you know, status quo in fantasy mm-hmm. football. Uh, but only if you can really show your work um, and prove that what you're, you know, what you're doing or advocating for uh, can work and, 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 and has worked in, in the past. Yeah, don't do it just to do it. No, don't no, don't just be a contrarian and think that that's the way to go. I mean, there are lots of contrarian ideas that um, out there, you know, every year that are kind of laughable. It's like, well, no, that's not. You can't just say uh, that strategy X doesn't uh, doesn't work as well as strategy Y just because. Like, you have to really show your math, and you know, that's what I think that you with LRQB and Sean with zero RB were able to do, you were able to show uh, your work and, and relate it to in, in a very much larger context, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next question is from at bedtime 37 peeps are already drooling over Gordon. What are chance? What are the chances he a makes an impact after a year off and B stays clean for the year? I, I don't like to guess about the, the second part. Uh, Same. I, you know, uh, who knows? Who knows? I, I, if, if you're, if it's you're literally guessing. impossible to, to, to come up with a number or come up with a percent. Like it's literally impossible for us to do that. Yeah. I mean, if it, like, I don't have like a, like a marijuana algorithm, you know, like, I go, <laughs> right. Oh, well, you know, the last thing time the he smoked, algorithm. he did this, 
and he ingested this much marijuana and this and that. No, I don't. I don't know. So I think that if if you're guessing, uh, you're probably um, you know undermining your fantasy success. And not only that, not only that, guys. It's not as if like Josh Gordon's ADP reflects someone who's com- going to be completely clean for the rest of the year, right? Like, like I would say that that's inherently subconsciously baked into the way that we draft him. I took him in a dynasty league this uh, this summer uh, before any of this recent good news happened, and um, you know, I the his price was was what it was because there was a fear that he would never um, be able to play. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say stay clean. I mean, it just that seems a little little judgmental, but but yeah. but you know, you know, I, I I think that 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 is that is in that price. If 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 it were just in like an uh, like an injury or something that had kept him out, maybe it would be different. But you know, yeah. And then you know, we already talked a little bit, a little bit about where we see him making an impact and how he can make an impact. I mean, I like Denny said, I wrote an article about about Gordon. Um, I think it's stupid to assume he's going to be what he was in 2013, but I think it's just as dumb to assume that the five game sample that we saw in 2014 mm-hmm. is the way that he's going to perform this year too. I mean, there's. There's so many, the way that I see it is there's so many range, there's such a large range of outcomes here that you have to understand like where, where at certain points in drafts, these bust rates really kick in and like you're, you're drafting players that are not dart throws, but you know, at some point in your draft, and I said this on my Periscope today, pretty, uh, pretty passionately, uh, you know, if you look at a guy, you know, people ask me about Marcus Wheaton all the time, I think partially because they're trolling me, but partially because, uh-huh. uh, he's an interesting, he's an interesting guy to talk about this year. But like, to me, Marcus Wheaton is a guy who you're drafting maybe as your wide receiver four. but what is his ceiling? His ceiling is like a wide receiver three, like a high end three. Maybe. Like, it's just like, right. Like, like, like that's such a worthless draft pick in fantasy football. Uh, you, you need, once you get to those eighth, ninth, 10th rounds, you need to be looking strictly at upside. You need to ignore the floor. And you can't tell me that Marcus Wheaton has more upside than Josh Gordon does. You no. cannot tell me that there's, no. there's no way. No, no. My, my, my suggestion for anyone who wants to have the courage to draft uh, Josh Gordon this, this summer is to ingest pot before you draft him. That's what, yes. my, what I would say. <clears throat> yeah. Good, good, good call there. But yeah, man, it's crazy that I'm like becoming this like, I'm like a, I'm like a voice for Josh Gordon right now. I know. I, did, I never thought I, I'd, uh, I'd see that. Well, no, but you're not, you're not like a truther voice. You're just like a value voice. Right. Right. I mean, well, I'm, I'm not really a truther for anyone. No, I know. That's that's. Uh, that's not. That's not part of my brand. That's not. That's not who you are. You are not. You are not a truther. Except apparently Marvin Jones. Good lord. You are. Now that might be an exception to the rule. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, next one at Rob underscore C underscore fourteen. Somewhat random question. Thoughts on trading future draft picks in redraft leagues? Something my league is voting on. Yeah, I like it. Me too. I like it too. I think you should. You should totally do that. So, the problem. So, the, the biggest problem because I'm a commissioner in my home league, so like I try to incorporate as many fun things as I can. But some people are very against it because you know they don't want to like take the time necessarily to. Um, invest super heavily into like learning what these new, these nuances are. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I think at the same time, um, it can give you an edge if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just make sure that you're not ruining the league, if you will, with people that are very casual 
because they're not going to know what to do and people are going to take advantage of that and, and so on. So, so you would, so this, in this, in this scenario, you would be able to do something like trade a first rounder for uh, a second and a third or something. Yeah. I'm assuming like trading future draft picks, like next year's my, my first round pick next year for, um, I don't know, uh, Keenan Allen or something like that. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. But since it's a redraft league, it's not like a dynasty league where like a first round pick isn't necessarily like the, the most valuable. I mean, it's valuable, but it's not the most valuable thing in the world. Cause you're talking rookies, right? right? Whereas this is the entire pool of players. So your first round pick is pretty big. It's a pretty big deal. Um, this next one is at BZ Lloyd three thoughts on drafting teammates in season long that are negatively correlated, i.e. cooks and Ingram. Hmm. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, say no if 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 you feel like you know the value is right um mm. i wouldn't i wouldn't reach for for those those that sort of situation where you have a, a wide receiver and a running back on the same team uh but i don't know i'm yeah my my thought is mostly you know cooks and ingram is a little bit different because the saints are going to have a high powered offense whereas if you get like a middling offense and there's some for some reason you're using a high equity pick on those two players. I can't really get I can't really think of an example right now because generally speaking, good offenses, good players from good offenses are drafted early, right? Right. So it's very very difficult to find like two players from a like I okay, here's here's one. Here's one that I would not do. Lamar Miller and DeAndre Hopkins. Oh yeah. Right? I right. think that in that scenario, the Texans might not be scoring many points, so it might be a little frightening to have those two guys in your team uh, and you're spending a first and a second round pick on them. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, probably not. But if I had like David Johnson and Michael Floyd, there you go. I'm okay with that. Sure. Or John Brown, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what about Lacey and Cobb? What about that? Like that combo? I yeah, I, th I still think that you're okay. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'd, I'd much rather do it in like a best ball league or something. If, if it, if it like falls into that, I'm not going to like be super pissed off if that's, you know, I know that you want upside in best ball, but like at the end of the day, there have been some really interesting studies about upside with using a running back with a, with a wide receiver given game script, because if that wide receiver scores early, and that team ends up doing really well. Mm -hmm. That running back's going to be doing work towards the end of the game. Mm -hmm. So I think that like we we you know obviously those those two positions are neg negatively correlated. But I also think that we take that at times to an extreme, and I yeah. have too. Yeah. I, I I certainly have. Um, so you know I, I I think at the end of the day, you know if if there's if there's a tiebreaker, then the tiebreaker would say don't do that. But if the value's there, that's that's fine. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to, if I see, you know, if I take cooks and then I see Ingram at a place where I think that he's a really good value, I'm not going to say, Hey, you know what? I already took cooks, not taking Ingram. I, I wouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. I will say that I'm not, I, I don't want to have a team that has T Y Hilton and Dante Moncrief. Mm -hmm. I don't want, I don't want two wide receivers from the same team. You want like all that. three? Do you want Dorset as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like I don't, I don't want you know, I, especially if you're spending higher equity picks on them. There's just you know, it's just not a like I, I sent I sent you a, a team, one of this this best ball team that I had that I really liked, and it had Duke Johnson and Josh Gordon on it, and that's to me isn't that big of a deal yeah, no, because the equity you're not spending high end picks on either of those players, and they both have upside individually and and so on, but. 
I think uh, I've been saying and so on a lot in this podcast. <laughs> it's vamping. You just it, that's a, like a verbal tick. Like you're, you, you need time. Your brain needs time to think. So it's like JJ say and so on, and you're like and so on. I don't know why, but I don't. I don't think I say that all the time, do I? Uh, you do. You do it sometimes, and so on, and so on. You know. Oh my god! <laughs> now I'm gonna be thinking about that so much, and so on. So. <laughs> Good. So yeah, I mean that that's that's kind of the the take that I have is is I, I think it's a very very interesting question though, uh-huh. um, but I try to diversify my players in a lot of good offenses. Like I try to focus my efforts on good offenses in in fantasy. I, I don't want to invest a ton in uh, Cleveland. I don't want to invest a ton in Tennessee. I don't want to invest a ton. You know, there's that there, there's a reason for it is because mm-hmm. teams that have good quarterbacks are not only going to put up better statistics, but they're going to win more. And when you win more, there's positive game script. When there's positive game script, your players just do better. Right. Right. And, uh, one, one, I just thought of talking about bad teams, uh, at their current ADPs, I would never do a high Tory combo. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's another, another one that would just be, that'd be very difficult to, to, to take on each week and so on. Right. (laughs) <laughs> you, you thought you were going to catch me sleeping, didn't you? I did. I did. Uh, this next one is at Ben Cummins FF. If Denny could attend the funeral of Geno Smith's 2016 fantasy season, what would be his eulogy? The people need closure. That, that's that's funny that uh, we're talking about the, the funeral after having a moment of silence. Um, I would say I would say that the, the eulogy would go something like, um, you know, here lies the fantasy corpse of Geno Smith. Yes. He had great potential like Tyler Thigpen did in 2008 when he was the QB two over the final 10 weeks of the season. Um, you know, may, may God rest his soul when he is the backup for Blake Bortles next year. Hey, we did stream Geno Smith a couple years ago on the Rob Silver show. We did. He did against the Packers. He did. Okay. Yeah, he was like 17 and a half, 18 points or something. It was good. Yeah. Uh, next one, at Zach underscore Dennis. Wendell Smallwood propaganda when? There's not even there's, there's not even there's, there's no punctuation. Wendell Smallwood propaganda when? Now. Seriously, man, I, I, uh, I had kind of like an aha moment. You know, like you want something to be like, I want Ryan Matthews to be a thing really bad. I really love Ryan Matthews. I think if, if there is a player that I'm a truther for, it might be Ryan Matthews. I really think that he's a good running back. But if you look at every sign that that coaching staff is, is pointing to talking down on Ryan Matthews, he gets hurt. They're talking up Wendell Smallwood. I think it's a mistake to think that Wendell Smallwood can't be something this season. So I'm taking flyers in MFL tens. I, I don't blame you. I mean, I, you hardly ever hear anything positive about Ryan Matthews um, in, in headlines and Roto World blurbs. Uh, so I think to to ignore that and say, you know what, I'm still going with Matthews. I'm still going. I think that that's just ignoring reality a little bit like the Cardinals situation. But I know that, you know, we're not going to we're not going to freak out oh yet. God. I'm just, it's I'm just not freaking out. It's a thing. It's a thing. That's how Bruce Arians works. Uh, next one at Dean Becerra. JJ's dad has third pick. Does he take the last of the big three wide receivers or order a shrimp taco? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like someone read my timeline last nice. weekend. Uh, next one at Grizzly Blair. He said, I had the fourth pick in our number fire draft, which he did. 
Antonio, Julio, and Odell went before me. Who have you guys been taking at four? Mine's AJ Green. I'm really torn. I mean, if I could, like, you know, give my newborn daughter for a 16-game Romo season, then I would take Dez there. Wow. But, I mean, but, you know, Romo is, you know, 15 minutes away from breaking his collarbone at any given moment. So, I... I don't know. I think I do I, have a I, I do have a decent amount of Des in best ball this year. I just, oh, why can't Des be on a team that wants to score a lot of points? I know. Disappointed. I guess Green. Uh next one at too much Tuma. He said so so tough to not overreact to camp injury news. You guys love Jordy two weeks ago. Do you change your opinion on him at all now? I mean, I just just hold tight. I don't know. I mean it if you're drafting like this week, that's tough. That's really, I, I don't really know what to say <laughs> as far as Jordy goes, but um, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he's like a must avoid guy yet um, until we hear more. But then again, he's 31. He now has two bad knees. So yeah, I'm not reading into it yet. Uh, you know, I like, it, it didn't seem the Packers were like that concerned. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Next one at W Carl Russell. Can you please pretend to like steak? Hey guys, how do you like your steak prepared? I love steak. Um, I mean, do you I not like steak. You no, know, you. Know, I mean, look, I, I like it. I like it medium. You put a little salt, little this, a little that in the trash. You go home. No way. That's your take. There's no way. <laughs> no. I, okay. I, I, you know what? I enjoy a few bites of steak now and again. Steak's phenomenal, and you get it medium, and you eat it, and then you go to bed, and you then you log out for the day. I've said this before. I am traumatized from my parents being on the Atkins diet in the late 1990s, in which they <laughs> ate steak every night. My mom bought boxes of frozen steak all the time. All we ate was steak. This is a huge, huge first world problem. Uh, but I, I became grossed out by steak. So chicken, it is chicken. It is, uh, this next one at SWB eight Oh eight. Is it worth $5 to keep Kelsey in an auction league with a $200 cap? Assume no other tight ends will be kept 12 teams. Five bucks. Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. I, I think that there, you know, the other thing too, that we didn't mention with the auction stuff though, and, and with anything, with any keeper, it's not even auction related necessarily, but when you keep a player, there's a different opportunity cost. The opportunity cost is foregoing the chance to take a, to keep another player. Right. So when you're keeping a onesie position, there is a lot of risk involved in that because you're foregoing the chance to be taking a potential running back and wide receiver. So my answer to that is sure, that's not a bad value at all. But at the same time, if you have other running backs or wide receivers that are relatively decent that you could keep for cheaper, I might lean that way depending on who they are. Sure. Next one at T Corbin twenty two. Do you trust Dalton and Tyrod as only two quarterbacks in an MFL ten? Mm-hmm. So Dalton, Dalton and Ty God. I think I would. Yeah, I'm fine with that. What's what's wrong with that? I mean, they're, they're not particularly. I mean, I know Dalton missed some time last year, but. Yeah, I think that's okay. Um, next one at eighty underscore J Rod. What about some tight end targets for best ball? If you wanted to only roster two. Mm. Um, 
you know, I, I like we said, we've been we've been targeting a lot of Fleener. We use Fleener. Mm-hmm. I if I want two tight ends, my strategy, and that I own so much of him, and it's not going to be a surprise, but it's Jason Witten. Mm-hmm. If I want to own two tight ends, I'm pairing them with Jason Witten because you're able to have a floor uh, pretty much each and every week. Yeah, I'm I'm with that. I actually own I own way more than I want to disclose of, of Jason Witten. Um, this next one at Justin Freeman, 18 trade heavy league. Are you enter? Are you ever drafting early quarterback tight end with the intent to trade for skill player and go back to streaming? I think that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Cause like, I, I know that you might think that you're getting these name brand guys that people will like, but they will, the, the, the key, the key with, with late round quarterback and late round tight end is that, uh, they, those two positions are at their best value during the draft, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. where you can take biggest the most advantage of that because after the draft, if there are teams that are looking at their roster, what they're going to want is running backs and wide receivers, and that's only going to be become exponentially greater as the season goes on and injuries occur. Yeah, I, I you know even in even in a trade heavy league, I think it's uh, borderline uh, maybe arrogant to draft a guy thinking I'm going to, I'm just going to trade him, and somebody's right. going to take him, and I'm going to get a good value and I'm going to get a good deal like that, that I've done that and it's backfired and it hurts. So yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Uh, the next one is from at Donov Ben, Ben Donovan, but it's Donov Ben. Okay. Bruce Ellington, Bruce Ellington. That's all it says. <laughs> it, well, I look forward uh, to Bruce Ellington outscoring Torrey Smith this year. That'll be fun. I think for everybody. You and your hot takes. Did, did, are you are you about to fight me with Anquan Bolden and Marvin Jones? Oh man, JJ, listen. You know I love Anquan Bolden too. I, I know you do. I know. Listen, is this this? I'm telling. This smells like a situation where we're like Anquan Bolden. Are you serious? See, but here's the thing: is I think it. If anything, it's it, Marvin Jones has a very secure role because all they have are guys that play inside. Right. That's it. That, that whole offense is yeah. just filled with wide receivers that can play in the slot. And I, I, I actually think it's not. It's it. It might because like the first reaction that I had with the Anquan Bolden thing was, mm-hmm. all right, does that mean Golden Tate's just going to chill outside all the time? I mean, right. like, is he not going to? Are they not going to move him around? Right. So uh, yeah. we'll we'll see. We'll see. It's it's maybe rest in peace, Ebron. Right. Maybe I. I mean, I think I think it's just a depth signing, though. At the end of the day, I just I he, he dropped know. off. He dropped off dramatically <laughs> last year. He was like, he was like, he was the least efficient wide receiver on the 49ers last year, according to Number Fireman. I'm nervous for you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just putting oh, it out there. Come on. I hope Marvin Jones' ADP goes down as a result. Uh, the last, or actually, it's not the last, but there's there's some from Tom. And it's actually, it shows you how long Tom has been around. Mm-hmm. Tom Everett Scott. Mm-hmm. He says, so it's at Tom E. Scott. He says, my question for this week's LTS pod is, what happened to the rants while mu- with music with the music playing underneath? It's been two years. Yeah, that's been like two years since we since we did that. For those of you who don't know, back in the day when we, when we would podcast, we it was like a staple of our show where we, where we would... <laughs> talk about whatever the topic is it was, it was in place of twitter questions yes we and would instead because we didn't have anyone listening to our podcast so we couldn't ask people to ask questions no i was like mom can you please send in a question right we need right we're questions. trying to get 
trying to get our parents and our relatives and our and our pets right to send in questions i was i was you know i was calling uh, ex high school classmates and saying can you please just just listen to my podcast oh my god right, um, right. and so no one yeah so we did went on these rants and we went on i mean it, it varied i think it varied from like you know adp jumps to um industry to, stuff that's going like stupid industry stuff that was happening it's yeah bad yeah like bad industry trends i think oh yeah there was one i, I remember giving about um about the term trade rape which was like yes. really prevalent uh yeah. and horrible and think you know what one thing i can say about fantasy twitter i do not see trade rape anymore on no? on twitter and that's fantastic that is fantastic i i i've been very encouraged by that but yeah i mean maybe we could bring it back one day just as an old school thing i don't know yeah, it's just, I mean, it was something that, that we did in place of the Twitter questions. So maybe we'll put a poll out there. Mm-hmm. Say, what do you want, guys? Twitter questions or rants? Oh, uh, they're going to go Twitter questions. Yeah, they're definitely going to go Twitter questions. Our rants aren't that good. Tom also said, I could rant about it in his, in his follow-up tweet, which was funny. And then he said, also, you're very handsome, JJ. Thank you, Tom. That's no doubt. Thank you. This next one, at there's two more. At Polish Tweeter, why do you think the Falcons are pushing Tevin Coleman narrative so much? Didn't Freeman earn the spot last year? What are your thoughts on that? Have you have you read and have you seen what's going on there? It's kind of crazy. Every day. Every day. There's something new about how Devontae Freeman. I mean, by look at by next Wednesday, it's gonna be Devontae Freeman cut. Like, I mean, like yeah, that, right, right. that's just how it feels right now. It's like Tevin Coleman, he must get more involved in the run. He must get more involved in the past. He must be right. the centerpiece of our entire franchise. Right. Well, well, Here, well, here's, well, well. <clears throat> here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. The current regime in Atlanta did not draft Devontae Freeman. No. The current regime drafted Tevin Coleman, which was one of the many reasons that I was on Team Tevin going into last season, as aside from – you know, and not being team Devante. However, Devante Freeman balled out for the most part. He was very solid. He regressed the second half of the season without a doubt, but he also got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, in when Devante Freeman was out last year, Teron Ward stepped up and, and saw more targets than Tevin Coleman did. So mm-hmm. don't think that Tevin Coleman is going to become this Devante Freeman re- receiving back. Um, you know, I think, at the end of the day, the way that I view this situation is I don't see, and I've been using this comparison a lot because I think it, 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 it kind of is, is easy to understand when doing so. I see a guy like Charles Sims, for instance. I know that they don't have identical ADPs. I see a guy like Charles Sims having so much more value than a guy like Tevin Coleman because Charles Sims has standalone value because of what he can do in the, in the, through the air as a receiving back. So if you're in a PPR league, he has very, you know, he, he could, he's a very, very viable flex option, even with Doug Martin healthy. If Doug Martin goes down, Charles Sims is an RB two pretty easily, mm-hmm. a, a solid RB with RB one upside. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Right. Whereas with Tevin Coleman, he's not going to be catching passes. Sure. He might eat into Devonte Freeman's work, but he's never going to be, at least right now, and that's why they're saying he needs to work on his receiving. Mm-hmm. He's never going to be a three-down back right now with Devontae Freeman in that system. So as much as he might eat into Devontae Freeman, even if they see a 50-50 split between the two of them, you know, out of the 80% or whatever, 90% of touches that those two might get in the offense, even if it's a 50-50 split, Tevin Coleman's on seeing the pass catching, and that's really what's important. So. Well- yeah. That that I think it should make you feel a little bit safer about Devontae Freeman in that he's still 
going to be the primary three down back in that system. Going into the season, did we think, did anyone out there think that Tevin Coleman would be strictly a backup with no real role in that offense? Right, I mean, right, right. I mean, that's that's the thing too, is that, I mean, how, sure, like Tevin Coleman should get a well over 100 touches this year. Right. Like that's not, it's, it's not unlike um, it, it, the, the Jacksonville situation. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, the difference is he might not have as big of a role as a Chris Ivory would, and he might not be the goal line back because Freeman was was pretty good close to the end zone last year. He scored a lot of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, then then obviously, you know, a guy like Ivory is a little bit more valuable, but it's it's sort of similar sure. the way that you look, teams need two running backs. That's that's just the way it is. Teams need two running backs in this day and age. That's the way it works. Freeman, uh I think he was in free fall the last time. Uh, Freeman and Freefall. I just wrote a headline. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, uh, wait, what is that? Uh, anyway, he he's going to be in the third round eventually. Yeah, he might. He might fall if this if this continues. Uh, I'm not like, and the thing is too, I'm not like aggressively targeting Devonte Freeman either. What I'm saying is, I'm I, I think all this news, I think all this news impacts him more than it impacts Tevin Coleman, right? So I'm not like aggressively going after Devonte Freeman. But I'm also saying I don't think Tevin Coleman is going to be much of a thing this year. I would go in terms of reliability week to week. So he's going at two oh six right now, a Freeman. So I would aggressively target him in the third for sure. Yeah, yeah. If he if he falls to the third, I think that's very very fair. Uh, but right now, I'm just kind of staying away and letting it play out because you're not forced to draft him right now. Like right. it's not that big of a deal. Uh, last one at Tampa Two Tone. How does including tight end in the flex impact your late round slash equity draft strategy? Mm. I, I think the tight end is, is I think we, I've seen some of this on Rotoviz. Um, I think I may have seen a number fire piece on, on the viability of tight end as a flex. Now that the position is deeper, getting more targets, running more pass routes. Yeah. It, I think the the key simply is the tight end position becomes more important when you can flex it right. because there's a there's a higher demand for the position. Like you you can realistically have a Kobe Fleener and Jordan Reed on your team and use both of them. I mean, look at last year. Remember the Apex League last year? I had Jordan Reed and Tyler Eifert, and I was able some weeks during bye weeks and stuff. I used both of them, um, and, and it, it all that means is that you can ro- if if people are if the tight end is usable in more than just the tight end slot, they're going to roster more of those tight ends, which means it's going to be a little bit more difficult to stream. Sure. So. All right, Denny, that does it for the questions. Let, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, uh, at CDCarter13 on the Twitter. And uh, we're getting a lot of draft day consultants uh, requests these days. Uh, we also have the the newsletter, uh, the DFS newsletter, uh, which is uh, at its season low price. It will rise on August 1st. So get in uh, at the $17.99 price point, uh, draftdayconsultants.com, hashtag brand. Word. And I am JJ Zacharyson. and you can find all my work over at numberfire.com. I'm on Twitter at late round QB. Please, everyone, please join me every weekday at 3 p.m. for the periscopes that I'm doing because it's a lot of fun. Uh, I just sit in front of my my phone for a half hour and rapid fire answer as many fantasy football questions as I can. While while women comment on the way that I look. Right. And while while you while you block trolls one at a time. Pop, pop, pop. I do. I block trolls. I probably block two or three per periscope. 
Right. I don't I don't think you needed to block me, but that's another story. Yeah, yeah, of course. And in fact, Denny, I, to make it up uh, to you, I'm going to uh, treat you to a milkshake tonight. Can you follow me on Twitter? Yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll oh, do thank that. God. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the team.